Hello, everybody, and welcome to the November 1st edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net. You can catch us in the papers at pinalcentral.com, P-I-N-A-L, keyword skewed, and, of course, BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSW FM Radio. That's ksw.com. Follow the links. We put the simulcast up on the site each week. And then there's Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine, and we're getting ready for our brand new issue with the Holiday Gift Guide, which should be out in just a few weeks around Thanksgiving. You can catch us for all things movies, news, pop culture, um, games, travel, entertainment, and so much more. Definitely want to check that out. Now, a couple of things I wanted to get across. Uh, Justin... And uh, Michael are with us, as always. Joseph's not here this week. He's feeling under the weather, so hopefully um, he's going to get better soon. Hopefully it's just the flu, and so we're uh, keeping our eye on him. Well, as best we can from, uh, oh, about 1,200, miles away. But, you know, good thoughts. And we're going to do a little bit of Halloween wrap-up, look ahead in the fall, and we have some news on the PlayStation 5 as well as some video games coming up. Real quick, I wanted to mention a couple of things. Haunt Portal uh, is available now. I took it the other day, and it's rather interesting. It is a virtual haunted house. They'll have new um, events coming soon. And essentially, you, you buy it. It was $10. You have access to it for 48 hours. You can have your friends buy tickets, join you as well. And the thing is, as you go through it, your friends can be all, all over the country. You can be on the microphone and webcamming so you can talk to each other, hear the reactions. And essentially, the one I had was you were a person in a uh, broken down mental hospital with the uh, insane and dangerous all over the place. You're confined, strapped to a wheelchair, and you're pushed through the uh, crazy hospital and of course all sorts of people pop out real actors digital sets that sort of thing and it was a nice substitute to um, uh, not being able to have the haunted houses that we've normally had just uh, look up haunt portal and it is still available and uh, enjoyable going forward another thing i wanted to mention was ghost runner is available so if you're a fan of parkour sword combat and a blade runner-esque landscape you want to check that out it is quite challenging because you have to do things like run jump wall walk and um dodge incoming fire while making a perfect landing and taking out bad guys now uh, don't recommend it ideally for the keyboard because trying to you know essentially move with the mouse hold down the space bar um, and then hold down the shift bar and use the A and D keys to dodge while completing your jump landing, taking out a bad guy, and then doing it again so his partner doesn't shoot you gets really old. So I think a gamepad would probably work much better with, than that. But it is a very challenging game. It looks fantastic, and it is available now. Uh, another thing coming up I wanted to mention was Borderlands 3 Ultimate. Now, um, obviously, we've got Borderlands has announced new content. You've got the designer cut. And there are going to be a um, various sets coming out. The Borderlands 3 Ultimate Edition essentially contains the full game, the release DLC that has been available, as well as the Season 2 Pass, which is coming 
on November 10th. So if you haven't had a chance to jump into Borderlands 3 and you wanted to try the new content out, uh, that is definitely a good way to do it. All right, guys, so uh, we have news that uh, World of Warcraft is getting ready for its next um, installment, and this is World of Warcraft Shadowlands. It's coming out on November 23rd, and of course, this will bring all sorts of new content to Azeroth, and you've got the battle between the Horde and the Alliance, and uh, we've, as I said, November 23rd is the release date for it. And uh, they delayed it to allow more time to fine-tune and polish uh, based on some of the ongoing feedback from the testing. So, uh, Justin, start us off. What do you think? Yeah, you know, so uh, full disclosure, I, I've never really been much of a World of Warcraft player. Uh, I know that's kind of surprising. It's been, you know, uh, one of the largest games that's ever been created uh, in terms of player base. It was absolutely a powerhouse for, you know, much of the 2000s. In terms of like you know just its pop culture um presence was just astronomical um and you know very very likely uh was the biggest game um you know in the market for a really long time i just was never really into mmos of that mold um you know despite me being like a huge warcraft fan uh warcraft 2 was like one of the first games i ever played it's a huge special place in my heart and i you know, all all of my high school days were usually spent in Warcraft Three. I'm a huge huge fan of the the franchise as a whole, but um, I just never really got into World of Warcraft. Um, I followed it a little bit in terms of what was going on with the story, just because I was such a huge Warcraft fan uh, as a kid and growing up. Uh, I just couldn't ever really get into the into the MMO version. Um, but, you know, I, I do have to just commend that how incredible it is that the game is still going after um, it's, you know, getting close to 20 years um, of active development and active content, um, which is just crazy. Um, you know, uh, it came out in 2004, I think, was the first launch of War uh, a World of Warcraft. So Sounds right. it's um, pretty incredible that they've been able to keep it going this long. Um, obviously, it, there's been a lot of updates and a lot of expansions, um, but uh, you know it does go to show just how you know kind of compelling their their core model was that uh, you know it's it's kept people engaged with it this long, um, even to the point where um, MMOs of that mold just really aren't the big thing anymore. I mean they they were for um, much of the 2000s and even into the 2010s. Um, you know, there was a lot of, like, attempts to create, like, the WoW killer, uh, but it just never happened. As far as, like, this uh, particular expansion, I, I did watch um, some of the cinematics and stuff that kind of lead up to it. And I, I think, you know, they're kind of going in, into an angle of uh, dealing with the afterlife and things like that, uh, which I don't think the universe has really dealt with very much. Um, so that's kind of interesting, and it seems like they're kind of playing with some of the characters that... Um, that I'm familiar with, uh, but you know, given that it's been so long since the RTS games, there's all sorts of characters and um, things going on that I have uh, no idea. So I, uh, there's several characters that I, I don't know who they are. I don't know any of their backstory or anything because I'm not much of a WoW player. So I didn't really know quite what was going on in the cinematics, but I could follow it a little bit just because there were there were some familiar faces. So that's kind of exciting, and it's probably a really good thing for. For WoW players, uh, you know, to kind of keep it engaged and you know keep the content going, 
And, um, you know, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, just how they can keep life in the, into this particular franchise. Um, you know, that being said, it's like, uh, did also want to mention, you know, it's, uh, COVID has been kind of an interesting time because everything's been delayed. And I think I'm going to mention a little bit later with BlizzCon and everything, but, um, you know, I, I just have, have to wonder too, like how much that that's affecting, like there's the scheduled releases of all their particular games. Yeah. Good point. And Michael, your take please. Yeah, and I know Shadowland was delayed, I think, a month. I think it was originally supposed to come out like October 28th, and now it's coming out November 23rd. You know, I was a big WoW player in the beginning. I, I still have very fond memories of, um, I think like a lot of people do, when, when MOs are fresh and new and there's a very small player base, um, you kind of meet people and you start to build relationships and friendships and that kind of thing, which something I think is harder once there there's a big player base. Um, if you don't have a, I was never like in, in a guild. I never had time to do any of the, the raids or any of the um, dungeon crawls or anything like that because I literally don't have, you know, five or six hours in some cases to sit down and play a game. At least not anymore. Uh, maybe if you know this was all come out when I was a lot younger, I would have had more time. But the thing I found really interesting is um, the pre-orders for Shadowlands um, have outsold any expansion to date for World of Warcraft. Um, I think that's twofold. One is, and we're starting to see this with um, video card releases, we're starting to see this with computer parts releases, new consoles and all that kind of stuff is with COVID, you know, people have started to have to determine what to do with their time. And, and you know, when they were going out and going to movies and they were, you know, going out and doing things, um, a lot of us have been kind of forced to stay at home more often. And I think that has a big, big, role in the, the, what's becoming popular again and what people are getting, you know, focused on. Things, nice things about things like, you know, uh, MMOs and that sort of stuff is it gives you an opportunity to interact with people um, and play a game and allow you to escape into that world. Um, a lot of us need a way to escape anymore. So it's it's good that, you know, there are, there are opportunities now. I, you know, one of the things that we've talked about, one of the things I think is still pretty relevant is you know, in a time, in a day like today, to ha get hit with something like COVID is significantly easier, although it may not feel that way for folks than it would have been if it had happened 10 years ago, both from a functionality perspective, the ability to do virtual classes online, you know, teach virtually, um, work from home for those who are getting the opportunity to do that, that sort of thing. But also just from a short, sheer cost thing, you don't have long distance phone bills anymore, um, for the most part anyways. You can reach out and interact with people on Skype or you can interact with people in games. Um, you can interact with people on cell phones and texts and, and there are ways to communicate with folks on a more regular basis that wouldn't have been um, or would have been at least a lot more difficult 10 years ago. So we do have that um, going for us, I think, in this day and age. And yeah, I think it speaks to a lot about WoW itself you know, I think any game by now, this long, would have had a sequel. And, you know, there have always been rumblings that World of Warcraft is going to get a sequel out of World of Warcraft 2. But the, the interesting thing about it, and one of the smartest moves I think that Blizzard did at the time, was instead of making the games try to be more realistic games like EverQuest um, at the time, and, and, you know, Action's Call, those kind of games, tried to focus more on, a, on a, a look that was a little bit more realistic. Again, at the time, it's nothing compared to what it would look like today. But going back in those times, whereas games like WoW and Guild Wars, to, uh, to some extent as well, went with a, a art style that is still appealing today. You know, we would talk about it being over 20 years old, and yet it's still, you know, yes, they put a fresh coat of paint on it. They add things like, you know, 
ray tracing stuff to make things look a little bit, you know, nicer. But all in all, the the art style and how everything looks still holds up today. And I think that's one of the 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 best things and what keeps World of Warcraft going, what allows them to keep releasing expansions, is they they will overhaul bits and pieces of the look and and they overhaul the gameplay. But generally speaking, the the game is still the same game that was that came out you know 20 years ago. I mean, even to the point where Blizzard last year released the uh, the legacy version of it, where you go back and play the original uh, World of Warcraft before all the changes went in, um, and had a you know a big draw for people who wanted to do that. So I think it just it speaks a lot to Blizzard's ability to understand that this was something that they were going to commit to, that they had hoped would take them a long way, and they did the artwork accordingly, made it look you know made it charming, made it playable, made it functional, something that was able to run on. You know, at the time when I first got it, I think I was running an AMD 64 uh, chip, um, you know, and now, you know, into the new new realms of Ryzen 2 and, and the new, um, you know, Core i7s, Core i9 chips, you know, still has that same look and feel of something and still runs the way it did back then. So, yeah, kudos to them. Uh, I'm excited that they continue to release new content for it, that they continue to get, you know, a lot of folks. And, yes, they're numbers dip and you know that kind of thing from a from a subscriber base i mean i haven't subscribed to it for i think two years i i didn't i have the last expansion i haven't played it um but i i played the last the one prior to that um but you know it just says a lot to what i think um blizzard's been able to do with that series and that franchise as a whole yeah and i think it'll be interesting too because we talked about briefly there aren't a ton of details yet uh, but BlizzCon, which is usually in November, uh, obviously can't be held because of what's going on. They are going virtual, but instead of doing it in November, they've got February 19th through 20th in 2021 uh, set aside. So people are uh, looking at this to say, okay, um, obviously give us a look at Diablo 4, give us a look at what's coming for Overwatch, let us know what may be coming down the line for World of Warcraft, any other franchises out there, um, you know, so on and so forth. And I think that'll be good. It's kind of like Blizzard's been in a little bit of a uh, no news mode for a while, and now it's uh, starting to wake up, and I think this will just light things forward. And, of course, with the situation being what it is and no end in sight, I think we are going to continue to see more and more demands for uh, electronic entertainment. And with that, uh, Ubisoft and Netflix announced that they are going to be doing a live-action Assassin's Creed series. Now, um, there has been a lot of talk. About, obviously, we know about The Witcher. Uh, they have done the Castlevania series. There was some talk that uh, The Division with Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be made uh, at Netflix versus becoming a theatrical movie. And, of course, uh, now we have... Assassin's Creed. It was attempted as a film with Michael Fassbender uh, to mixed results. It wasn't a bomb. It wasn't a massive hit. Uh, similar to what happened with Warcraft, it didn't do so well in the States, did better overseas. Not enough to justify a sequel. Uh, so, Michael, start us off. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Assassin's Creed, we've kind of talked about, you know, with Valhalla coming out, there's such a, a, a wide variety of environments and things that they can do with that franchise. So even if Netflix were designed to design a to do this series, they could even change the time frame every season if that was something they wanted to do, because um, so, it does kind of allow them to, you know, 
pick a different genre, see what works, see what doesn't, and continue on from there. Um, I, saw, I think we're starting to see again, and this we kind of go through stages of this, where um, a lot of movie, uh, video game movies start to come out. In this case, video, video game um, uh, series as well. You know, we're seeing things like you know Monster Hunter coming out. Uh, Assassin's Creed, The Witcher 3, uh, and what I have been impressed with, at least with The Witcher series in general, is that they, as a series, you know, a streaming ser series allows them to do a bit more and flesh out characters a bit more than they can in like a two-hour movie release. Um, so I think in, it, it does kind of lend itself to these games, because people forget that a lot of video games um, take 20, even one video game can take 20 to 40 hours to complete through. There's a lot of storytelling that goes on in that time frame, and there's a lot of lore that goes along with that. Something that's very hard to kind of smash together in a two-hour film, right? I, I think that's why a lot of these these epics, if they try to do like an epic, it's it's difficult because they try to cram too much into what is a two-hour um, film release. And, and what the streaming services allow is they allow you to kind of expand a bit on that make it maybe you know six episode eight episode thing gives you about six to eight hours um and they can kind of adjust you know how what worked what didn't work and if they get renewed for another season it allows them to kind of adjust and and revamp what was working and kind of address what didn't work um and it also kind of gives them a bit wider audience and and it's it'll be interesting to see how how these video game you know franchises translate onto the smaller screen with the, the streaming services. Uh, again, I, I don't think we're going to see big budget movie video game tie-ins disappear completely, but I think this is a good franchise way to um, see what works. And like anything else, if it's big enough, it gets enough interest and draws enough um, people in, then there's always the opportunity to do a big budget movie uh, down the road. So yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll get to see how well this works on Netflix, what the, the how the story goes and, and how... Um, how they draw the characters. And again, it gives them an opportunity with this license to kind of mix and match a bit. If something doesn't work or if they decide to do it with a different era, or they go try to decide to go with a, uh, you know, a Revolutionary War era. If they want to go a Vikings, they have an opportunity to do that um, in, a, you know, in the next upcoming season. So it just gives them some leeway in what they want to do. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with the, the license and the franchise as a whole. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, so I think Michael absolutely like nailed it in terms of every, almost everything I wanted to say. Like, um, I, I think Assassin's Creed is a good option for something like this for exactly that reason that you can kind of pick a different time period for every season, um, and you know, sort of anchor everything around like kind of like what the games do or the early games at least, where you know, because uh, Assassin's Creed is sort of uh, set up on the idea of like exploring genetic memory. Uh, and that's sort of how they sort of keep everything anchored on a modern day, you know, set of characters, but explore different time periods. Um, they're exploring different, um, you know, people that existed a long time ago that were genetically um, an genetic ancestors of, you know, the main characters. So I think they could do something like that where, you know, you it takes place in kind of like um, near future um, and, you know, you've got your set of characters, but. Um, they go into the, you know, one character will go into the animus and, you know, explore the, uh, or experience the, the memories of one of their ancestors for like one season in Renaissance Italy. And then the next season, it could be, you know, even further back or sometime, you know, later down the line. So 
I think they could totally do that and sort of have these running threads of, of plot lines through the different seasons, but also explore, you know, different uh, time periods, of course. Um, the really, you know, and I think Michael also made a really good point in terms of um, one of the reasons why movies have struggled to adapt games really well. You know, I think there's a, a lot of reasons. I, I think some of it is just, um, you know, no one's really found like the secret sauce in order to make it make it really jive really well. Um, you know, I think there's been some close, really close attempts. Um, you know, and I, I think what video games are going through right now in terms of movie adaptions is kind of similar to what comic books went through uh, up until the 2000s until, you know, there was that really big, the really big blockbuster hits of like Spider-Man and X-Men. Um, I just don't think that they've really discovered how to make it work yet. Um, and I think part of it is too, is the people involved in a lot of these projects aren't super passionate about the source material and, you know, all sorts of things like that. But uh, I, I think Michael's point on um, not having enough time to really explore some of these worlds, I think is, is a big portion as well. You know, I, I look at like the Warcraft movie, uh, not, not to bring up Warcraft again, but, you know, I think one of the things that went wrong with that particular movie project was they didn't have enough time to really explore and set up the world really well. Um, you know, there's a lot of lore in Warcraft and to kind of try to set that up in a two hour movie was pretty difficult and, and to tell a story at the same time. So in, in the context of a TV show, you have a lot more time to, and a lot more space to kind of explore these worlds and kind of set up these characters. Um, you know, and I, I think, they, they could do it. The, the really limiting factor, though, is that with TV shows, budget um, is really kind of the the difficult thing. And I think there's we're starting to see kind of a transition where um, a lot of uh, producers are figuring out how and, and studios are figuring out how to budget uh, these shows out really well. Um, I think that was really kind of the the hurdle um up to now for a lot of these properties is like how do you how do you visually uh you know do these different settings justice on a tv show budget and i think game of thrones sort of uh set the bar it set the bar in the standard because game of thrones was a complete well-realized world and uh i think you know they, they had to put a lot of effort into making that world uh you know actually live up to the standards that that um that were set by the books and so i think that's what's kind of going on with video games as well um and i think assassin's creed is one of the better uh options for them to explore because a lot of these settings that that they're going to be exploring are just historical settings you know you're not uh in different planets or anything like that so i think even with a tv show budget depending on how much money netflix wants to spend uh, it's something that they're able to do. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see the reception. I know, honestly, the uh, response I've gotten has been somewhat cynical. People are excited about it, but the mentality is, yeah, but it's Netflix. You know, they'll just cancel it after a season or two anyway. So, you know, there you have it. And I think um, there is some point to that. I think people are just kind of getting burned out and then on top of it, right after making the announcement, then the word comes out that Netflix is going to raise prices. And so there is some cynicism, especially in light of competition. But if it's a quality show, it's going to find its audience. And that's what's the most important thing. Now, uh, moving on, 
in a week's time, we'll see the rollout. We'll be able to discuss this a bit more next week of the two new consoles from uh, both Microsoft and Sony. But this week, uh, we got news that uh, there is a little bit of a shakeup in the implementation of the VR in the PlayStation 5. So first off, we are found out that you have to get an adapter in order to use your current VR on the PS5. It had been said since the beginning that VR would be the PSVR would be compatible with the PS5. So apparently you have to have an adapter, and that was a bit of an issue because I found out about it online. Uh, you're supposed to go online, enter the serial number from your PSVR, did that, and then I got, oh, you got to call this number, waited on hold, was told, oh, you got to talk to this department, went to that department, waited on hold, oh, sorry, you've got to talk to the VR department, waited on hold forever, oh, sorry, you got to talk to the PS5 department, and finally, after about an hour on the phone, I had somebody say, okay, we've got this, we'll send you out a, uh, a free adapter problem solved. Well, then word comes out that the new version of the PSVR, which was widely rumored to follow a year from now, uh, isn't going to be happening. And then on top of it, we hear that there are no PS5 VR games planned. So let me run this little, uh, in the near future, so let me run this little scenario by you and see if you guys can wrap your heads around this before you discuss it. The new Hitman game is going to have a VR option. Supposedly, the PS5 version of the game will not support VR. So you have to get the PS4 version of the game, play it in the PS4 mode to experience VR. Small problem. The PS4 version of the game, like many others, upscales and includes a PS5 version of the game. So essentially, people are saying... So do I have to have a PS4 version of the game downloaded and installed on my system and then install a PS5 version of the game if I want to play it outside of VR and go from there? So a lot of people in the Sony uh, fan groups are not very happy about this because their attitude was, we were told from day one that the new console would support PSVR and while technically it's true, it seems like there's a bunch of workarounds. And now we find out that going forward, while the company apparently is still committed to VR, there isn't going to be new hardware anytime soon. And, oh, yeah, uh, new games coming down the pipe with VR are essentially going to be enhanced versions of the PS4 rather uh, games rather than PS5 versions. Uh, Justin, start us off. What do you think? Yeah, honestly, it's kind of shocking, especially because how much VR is like starting to grow uh, as a, um, you know, as a share of um, uh, how many people are actually starting to get into it. You know, this isn't like um, motion controls. Uh, you remember back when the Wii came out and, you know, the motion controls were pretty popular and that kind of became the fad and Xbox had uh, the Kinect and uh, Sony had the... Um, God, I can't even remember the name of those things, but the the move, move, the move controllers, the move controllers. So, you know, and it, it became quickly apparent that 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 fad would sort of die out. Um, you know, even uh, Nintendo kind of doesn't really 
do anything with it anymore. I mean, they have a gyroscope inside the their controllers, and I think everybody at this point has gyroscopes in, in their controllers. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of legacy to that technology, but it's not, you know, it's not like it was. And VR is not like that. VR seems to be still be growing. It, it's not, it's not really not a fad. Um, you know, there are more and more VR games coming out, um, you know, month by month, and uh, there, there's even a very, some very recent examples of really killer apps, especially on, on the computer with Half-Life Alex and, and uh, some other games that are, are really centered on, on the VR experience. So it's kind of shocking to me that, uh, you know, Sony would kind of go this route and sort of like just a tepid support for VR, especially when it's like how much sort of runaround and workaround kind of jankiness that people have to do it in order to, to experience it. Um, you know, PS5 was really kind of their, um, their opportunity to really kind of fully, uh, embrace this technology and kind of set up, you know, the really powerful framework to kind of support it going forward. Um, so I, am a little surprised. I'm, I'm really surprised that they're not, uh, shipping out new, um, technology, uh, with VR headsets. Um, maybe Sony isn't really quite so, um, enthusiastic maybe they're not optimistic about where where vr is going and how expensive it is who knows um i can't really speculate as to why that they're taking this route but i do think it's it you know it is a, a bit of a disappointment for enthusiasts of of the uh of vr technology and michael your take please yeah to me this sounds like at the death of psvr I, that might be a cynical thing but the part of the problem with VR technology is when, and this is true with the, the first, you know, I own the Oculus, I own the Vive, and I own the PSVR, so I've got a pretty good set to compare to, right? And each one of them has their pros and cons. Um, but but I think that all of these were pretty much first, all the ones I have anyway, were pretty much first generation VR technology. You know, we've seen the new Vives come out, now the Index comes out, they have wider field of views, they have better... Um, response rates they have you know uh, that sort of thing we've i've even had an opportunity to play a vibe that had um to buy eye tracking in it which is life-changing when it comes to vr but that's not something it's more um the new vibes pros and those kind of things are coming out but those are more for industrial type things they're not necessarily for gamers um but there's a lot of advancements that have occurred since the psvr came out and i think one of my biggest problems with the psvr as it stands currently, and this is, you know, in comparison to like the Vive and the Rift, is the tracking is terrible. Um, the move, the camera, the PS camera is just not meant to do that. It doesn't have a great field of view. Um, it's great if you're sitting on a, on a, the, if you're sitting in a chair or if you're kind of not doing a lot of moving around, but compared to like the, the my Vive that has room scale tracking and it can track behind me and in front of me and, and all that sort of thing. Um, the tracking is just not good at all with the PSVR in its current state. The other problem I had with the PSVR is the move controllers. Again, they were never, they were not designed for what the um, PSVR does, right? I mean, they, they don't have the, they're just, they just don't track really well um, compared to both the Oculus and the HTC Vive. Um, so what I was hopeful for, and again, these were all first generation things. Again, Sony was trying to make it affordable, which they did, and they were trying to shoehorn in their older technology to work with it. Again, using the old camera, using the move controllers. Um, the idea behind that, and I think what the promise was at the time, was that yes, we realize these are these are 
not great options for PSVR, uh, but we're right now making it affordable with the promise that um, we're going to have better controller options, better um, tracking options, and, a, and ideally a better helmet or a second generation helmet. And that was something that we were kind of expecting with PS with a PlayStation 5. Um, again, not that not not that it by itself the PSVR itself is bad. It's, again, it just was a first generation thing, and they were utilizing existing equipment to make the price better. Um, so again, if you're looking at the the price for the PSVR when it came out, which is what 3.99 I think is what it retailed for, um, or 4.99. But when you compared that to the Vive, which was a thousand dollars, and the Oculus at the time I think was six hundred or something, it made it made sense, right? Plus you use your own move controllers, you use your camera, you get the headset, um, and it made for a, a VR a great VR experience. But again, the promise was always, this is a Gen One, how we're doing Gen One, we're going to come out with these new um, tracking controllers, maybe do some some inside out tracking on the helmet itself, so you don't need to use the camera anymore. That would make the tracking better. And we have a new headset that would come out with a higher definition, better field of view, all that sort of stuff. And now it sounds like Sony's like scrapping that. And I don't know, as Justin said, I think VR is finally starting to take off. Um, again, it's not a, there, there's some, there's still some killer app needs. I mean, obviously Half-Life Alex, um, I have it, I haven't played it yet, but I hear it's fantastic. Squadrons is an amazing experience. If you've got the, if you've got a HOTUS or if you've got a joystick and you're playing in VR. Um, so there are now more games that are supportive of it. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty disappointing because PlayStation had at least over in 2019 and and stuff with Iron Man VR and, and other things that they had announced. It looked like play, like Sony was actually going to embrace VR, and and we we all thought with the PlayStation 5's added horsepower, uh, again there's a you know playing the VR between a PS4 and a PS4 Pro that extra horsepower made a difference with the PSVR. And now with the PS5 having a lot more horsepower and with the promise of having a second gen headset, better tracking, it, you know, better controls, it, it could have really brought that VR experience into a more modern day era, um, again, because it's, it's lag, lagging behind by three or four years at this point. But sadly, it sounds like uh, PlayStation isn't, doesn't have any, Sony doesn't have any plans for their VR anymore. Again, maybe that'll change. Um, maybe they'll announce a new headset coming out. But it sounds to me like they're going to, once again, shoehorn it into the PS5 with this adapter, which tells me they didn't have any plans for it to work, to retrofitly, well, to work with the PS5 as is. Um, again, maybe that was left out for cost saving. Maybe that was left out just because they didn't see the demand for it. I don't know. But it does sound to me like now they're trying to say, oh, well, we'll give you something that will allow you to use your PlayStation VR on it, but you realistically aren't going to have any new games to play it on anyway, so maybe you just keep your old PS4 and keep it hooked up to your old PS4 and play the games from PlayStation 4 when they come out. Um, so, yeah, pretty disappointing. I can understand anybody who's excited about VR and doesn't have the computer or the money to invest in a PC set because, again, it is expensive. Um, PlayStation certainly have the... Uh, um, had the right idea when they made it quote unquote affordable for most folks and you know to play in the living room and to have a family experience with it it's just really unfortunate that what we all thought was kind of a Sony kind of banging the drum and leading the charge into the next um, VR experience and driving that technology forward has kind of decided that it's not they're not a VR company and they don't want to pursue that anymore 
I think a lot of this has to do with the current state of the world. I think it's a case of we heard stories about um, wireless headsets and enhanced tracking, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, submissions for copyright and that sort of stuff. And I think it came down to a simple fact that they looked at it and said, okay, we talked about the, are they going to be able to create enough PS5 consoles and meet demand with the uh, complications that are involved in shipping, in manufacturing, and distribution, that sort of thing. And I could see them easily saying, okay, look, if it comes down to, uh, you know, essentially getting another two to five million consoles on the market or rolling out half a million or a million new VR sets, it's an easy fix for them. And I think what they basically are taking is an approach of, let's worry about getting the console on the market, getting people adapting this new console, and then we can go from there. We've given them the opportunity to use their VR. Is it ideal? Maybe not, but I think, you know, as we've heard, even with the adapter, you are going to see an upscale in performance due to the hardware of the new systems. And I think essentially what they're saying is, look, there's a large supply of VR games out there right now. They're going to perform better on this new system than they did on your PS4 and PS4 Pro. We're going to leave it up to developers to come up with new VR technology. Sony still says they're committed to it. I think it's just not a priority right now because their focus is getting the console out. And it'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, Hitman, uh, is there going to be an easy workaround? Is there a patch that can fix this problem? Or are people going to have to have two different uh, downloads? But, you know, like anything, uh, work in progress. We'll see how it plays out and hopefully uh, better things to come. So I wanted to end the show on a happy note. And uh, with us moving into November, we're not too far from the holidays. And I know people are saying, oh, come on, I'm still putting away my Halloween candy or whatever. But let's be honest, we're already starting to see holiday commercials popping up. And I am really happy over this because we actually are going to do um, a chance to go out and uh, take a look at this. We've got our hotel reservation. We've got our... Um, tickets for this and uh, the California parks are getting involved in some holiday events. Now, starting off Knott's Berry Farm, they are doing their uh, Halloween event, the tasting event that's been very popular. They've not had any health problems from it. The local CDC has been very supportive of this and this is where a limited number of people can go through the park they can take in some entertainment that's distance and space, mass required, um, private, you know, isolated areas so you and your party can dine safely and you can try all sorts of special things. Well, uh, as we speculated might happen, Knott's did announce the Knott's Taste of Mary Farm, which will run uh, select dates from November 20th through uh, January 3rd. They already have, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five dates have already sold out, including uh, the date that we are going to be there. And essentially, um, $20 for children, $35 for, or excuse me, $40 for adults, discounted if you have an annual pass. You get into the park, you get to walk around, you can come in and out of the park, you can buy uh, additional food cards if you need it, or just pay for additional items. Um, 
You get to walk around the park, again, spaced, limited area. 60 unique food and drink items will be available uh, on the cards. Some of the items include fully loaded turkey dinner tater tots comet cinnamon bun with maple glaze and candy candy pecans and much more i've seen a look at the menu and some of the pictures it is quite impressive they have hotel rates uh discounted rates going on right now um i've been told the portions are extremely generous i mean there's this one here for Scro scrooge's spicy cranberry pomegranate glazed wings and all sorts of holiday treats and that sort of thing. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people who have gone to the um, the one they had recently as well as the prior one. They said it was extremely safe. It was mandatory masked, heavily enforced, very spaced out. Um, so I thought, all right, we'll give it a shot. That's coming up. Now, SeaWorld has announced that while the indoor stuff is not available, select dates, November 13th through January 4th, typically it runs Friday through Monday, uh, so on and so forth, they are going to be doing the Celebrate Christmas at SeaWorld. They are still doing the you buy your tickets. You can apply them to an annual pass. So essentially, if you come to an event, you have enough to cover into next year uh, for the most part. And they talk about that there will be lights, there will be holiday food, there will be various outdoor entertainments, that sort of thing, and uh, lights and you know music, that sort of thing. I'm sure they'll have their giant tree. We're hoping to catch that on the way home if we're able to get in and uh, get some pictures, get some coverage, because it would be really nice. And again, this has also been approved by the local CDC, because here's the thing. Theme parks are not allowed to open under the current CDC guidelines, but these events have been approved because they're limited uh, admission, spaced, mandatory masked, and like the interior uh, events are not allowed. So like, for example, at SeaWorld, you couldn't go into the shark area, you couldn't go into the interior penguin area, wild arctic, but you can have the outdoor areas like the sea lions, the orcas, that sort of thing. The rides aren't running, and there you have it. The final thing I wanted to mention, because uh, like I said, I'm looping them all together because it all came in. Uh, a lot of talk about Disneyland having to do some layoffs because of the uh, situation. There was some talk that the president of the park had said that they're aiming for summer of 2021 to be able to reopen under the current guidelines. And, uh, you know, downtown Disney is available, but there is a lot of uh, backlog to get in there on some days. I've heard uh, talk of two-hour waits to get into the world of Disney Store. Well, Disney's doing something for the Halloween, uh, Halloween, excuse me, for the holidays that'll definitely help. They've reportedly uh, hired back uh, several hundred uh, employees to take care of this. And what they're basically doing is they have the resort backlot area, stage 17, which has got a showcase full of seasonal merchandise. That has been open now, but they apparently are going to be able to open parts of Disney's California Adventures, starting with Buena Vista Street. That's going to happen in November. And uh, it's interesting because the hotels still are not open. But essentially what you can do is you can go down California Adventures Main Street and you can shop at some of the various locations there. Some of the dining areas will be open, including the upscale Carthay Circle Lounge and the Smoke Jumpers Grill, which is located right next to Soaring Over the World. And so uh, knowing Disney, you know that there is going to be some kind of decor and holiday entertainment and that sort of thing.
uh, there were rumors that they may do this as well closer to the holidays on Main Street of Disneyland. Uh, but, you know, it, it's something. People actually, limited numbers will be able to get into the actual uh, park. They will be able to go to the shops on Main Street, buy uh, some of the dining things. Obviously, people will want to take pictures if they can see the Avengers campus under construction from there. Um, go from there. So really quick, gentlemen, uh, start with Michael. Your take on, on these three and what do you think? Well, I think it's good that they're looking for opportunities on how to, um, you know, continue to offer something for folks to enjoy and experience, even though the parks themselves may not be open as far as rides and that kind of thing. I think it's always good when um, they still try to, not only just for the employees and the parks themselves, but also for the community to have something to get out to, get out, you know, there and explore and enjoy. Uh, again, right now, I think everybody's just trying to scramble to find some sense of normalcy, um, things that they can do um, and th things they can enjoy that is both safe um, and, you know, as, and is something that is enjoyable for the, the, the folks who are going and keeps the park employees employed, for one, and also keeps um, keeps the interest alive. So, yeah, I think all those things are, are great opportunities for folks to get out and enjoy them in a safe environment. Gives the uh, opportunity for the employees to, you know, continue making money. You know, it's, it's been a tough year for a lot of folks, uh, particularly those who work in the uh, service industry, the entertainment industry, or in anything that has to do with, um, you know, people coming to visit and, and that sort of thing. I mean, all of these industries were really hard hit. So I think any opportunities that they can still offer something that's going to draw in fans, that's going to bring tourists into the into there and, and you know, bolster those those um, companies and, and help them, you know, get through these things, I think is a good thing. So, yeah, that's, it's it's good. I think it's good for everybody to um, use this opportunity to um, safely uh, explore these opportunities and really just kind of, um, you know, do something that's going to get, you know, people's minds off of what's going on in the world today. Justin, your take. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is a great thing just because, you know, People have been. People need a victory, and people need a little bit of a win because uh, 2020 has been a bit of a whirlwind, and uh, you know, especially something like this where it gets people out of the house. You know, a lot of people have been cooped up for like nine months at this point, almost. So, um, you know, I think something that kind of gets people out, kind of in, interacting with uh, the the outside world, so to speak. I think that's a that's a great opportunity, and uh, you know, like you said, it's. Uh, condoned by the C local CDC, so it should be very safe. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think this is um, as close to normal that we can get right now. So I, I think uh, if people are able to, they should uh, take the opportunity to do so. Yeah, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm, I'm excited uh, for the opportunity to go to Knott's. We're at the hotel now, of course. I did want to mention... This is just inside the park. The exterior shops on the main street are still open. We went and saw them in June. They were extremely safe, very, very limited capacity inside at a time. I don't think there was more than, you know, five or ten people in the store at a time when we went there on um, Saturday. The chicken restaurant is available for uh, patio dining and stuff like that. There are outdoor areas to eat. The to-go, um, chicken to-go areas open. The bakeries open as well as the surrounding restaurants. And so people can still go into the various gift shops there. They have one that has like candy and food, one that has um, 
what you call it, like holiday decorations and collectibles, that sort of thing. You have one that has things like T-shirts, stuffed animals, uh, actually a couple that have that. So, you know, people who can't get into the park for whatever reason do have the option to go by and do that. And like you said, it is nice to be able to have that. I, I was uh, thinking back to last year before everything went crazy. We went and we had this whole uh, trip planned out in December and we were going to go to SeaWorld, we were going to go to Knott's, we were going to downtown Disney and all that. And long story short, they had horrific weather uh, during our stay. They had torrential downpours, they had floodings, which caused park closures and stuff like that. SeaWorld was uh, forced to close on the day we were going to go. Um, we ended up at Knott's that afternoon, just sitting in the hotel, waiting for the rain to subside. The next day we got into knots for a bit and then in the evening the rain came again the next day it was heavy rain again and so on and so forth and so you know there is i i remember specifically us saying all right you know we're we're going to go back next year we're going to make sure we get this thing done right and while nobody predicted the world would be in the condition that it is as you said it's something at least we'll be able to go out you're going to bundle up because i'm sure it's going to be cold in the evening There'll be some Christmas music playing. They'll probably have the tree and the lights up and all of that. They'll probably have the guys up on the balcony singing and doing some entertainment distance and stuff like that. And while it's not going to be the same, not being able to go on the rides and that sort of thing, at least it's something. you know. You And, and that, as you said, right now is what you're looking for. Small victories moving forward. And above all, everything we've read about it and heard about it, it is absolutely safe because they have gone overboard to ensure this is as safe as it possibly can be, and so that helps. Well, that is going to do it for us this week, folks. I hope everyone takes care. Have a very safe week ahead, and uh, make sure you are uh, taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, and until next week, we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye now.